I'm sure I give logos far more credit than 99.9% of the world, but I do think that they're kind of the loophole within design because almost everything else in design gets recycled very quickly. Um, it has a very short shelf life, but if you make a great identity, it can endure. It can, it can go on far longer than you. Um, and that's a, a, definitely a rarity within design. Instagram, Oculus, Unsplash, these are just a few of the identities that Mackie Saturday has designed and worked on, and today we get to talk to him and hear about the stories behind these logos, get his take on what makes an enduring logo, an identity that stands the test of time, uh, his love of skateboarding, um, you're going to want to listen to this. So before we get started, I also wanted to tell you about Land. They're sponsoring this week's episode, and Wenoland is the new quote-unquote conference from our friends at Weno. Coming to Brooklyn on May 2nd through 4th, Wenoland will be fun, ambitious, slightly unexpected, potentially terrible, and or amazing. In other words, an exciting place to be. Go to Wenno.land for more information and get 10% off your ticket using code DRIBBLE. That's D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E. That's Wenno.land. W-E-N-O dot land, code Dribble. Now let's go chat with Matthew Saturday, who, let's face it, has the best name in the world. One of the things that jumps out at me is is your, your Instagram logo work. This was several years ago, right? Probably five or six years ago, maybe. Five. That's, that's some very accurate guesstimation there it's basically five and a half years ago i think that that came out is it really okay yeah wow. maybe we're getting close to we're getting close to six it's it's wild it is and i remember um being really impressed with it and i think for for a number of reasons but one of those reasons is like it it retained the personality that it had previously with i think it was a typeface of some kind but redrawn by you with some impeccable you know attention to detail and uh i i wonder if you could go into project a little bit and just like how how it happened and and how it went down because it was kind of an interesting time when it when it was uh, released right of course no and uh this is actually a really good project to discuss everybody wants to talk about instagram just because <laughs> of the nature of the business because it's yeah, big and, and people know about it but <clears throat> I don't think people realize that Dribble was kind of coming into its own at the same time that Instagram was. And everybody that was participating in the, the earliest days of creating Instagram were also members on Dribble. Even Kevin Systrom, the CEO, he's a he's on Dribble. That's right. I know it's amazing. I, I and those were good those were great days. Uh yeah. And, and I was always amazed by that. And he, he actually shared quite a bit in the early days. And, um, yeah. and, and the, the icon was kind of created in the height of skeuomorphic icon design, which was, I kind of missed, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it was. And he, and, he, and, and he created it. I don't know that a lot of people uh, know about that or realize how much of a design sense he had, or at least mm. a talent, too. Um, but he made that original one, the one that looked... I mean, pretty much 
perfectly like a Polaroid camera, a tiny skeuomorphic Polaroid camera. It was, it was pretty impressive. Um, it really was. So yeah. 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 So how that kind of plays into all of, all of this in terms of timing was that, um, I think that uh, to be, to be honest, I don't, I don't remember exactly, but me and Kevin's original connection very much could have come through seeing things on dribble. I, I, I don't remember exactly, but wow, uh, it, it was all, it, it was a very active part of, of that time. It gave him a real sense of who designers were huh. and what was going on and kind of what was fresh and who he should talk to and, and things like that. So this is amazing. Maybe, I, I, yeah. I knew that, maybe that you, you know, you both were on dribble at the time, but I had no idea that there there's that, that strong of a connection yeah, from, well, Cole, from dribble. That's great. For sure. Well, Cole rise. Yes. So yes. He's, he's a photographer, but also designer. He is the one who did all of the other versions right. of the icon until the most recent one. And he was posting all of those on dribble. Yeah. As I was well. big, it was so fun to watch him uh, share that stuff. And he, yeah. And he's doing some amazing things now photography wise. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So it was a, it was a good time, like a good point in time where people were starting new things that were really important to creatives as a whole. Cause I think Instagram was really geared towards, towards creatives also in a slightly different way. It was people that at least cared about how a photo looked and curating, um, your photography and, and sharing at least at that point. Absolutely. And, totally agree. Uh, yeah. You know, and Dribble was obviously a, a place of prominence, especially for um, people who cared a lot about design and wanted peers to have a place to speak to that and mm. uh, really brought an, an inclusive place where people could get feedback, could put work in progress out there, um, and could really get a sense of just what people were actually doing. It removed all the silos that had naturally formed and that were kind of created by the sense of only posting know work within a portfolio so it really opened up that landscape and that is is something that that very much could have stewarded some of those initial relationships i will say so where the work kind of came from uh eventually was that as you said instagram had a word mark that was set in what's a free typeface called billabong so you can go (laughs) no way down download that and you can be uh, Danagram or whatever you want, and you'll look <laughs> just like the original. Yep. So that, that like like the surf company name. Yep. Yep. Wow. Exactly. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, it, and that's a problem though when you're trying to yeah. have something proprietary. An identity needs to be distinctive, and that was just something that anybody could grab and um, make their own. So the task at hand really was to to make it distinctive but to keep the integrity that was there and the equity that they had established because even though they were new they were still pushing 100 million users at that time Um, they were getting ready to launch their android app it was a it was a really exciting time for the company absolutely one of the most important things in design i'm sure you know this and i think a lot of a lot of designers do is that um you really should be intentional about not doing any harm with the work. So the idea is not to to make something for the sake of change, it's to make something to solve a problem. And we realized that we could keep that script style, but make it into something that was proprietary and something that they could 
own and continue to use for many, many years because you could look around and see other brands that had done it like Coca-Cola or like uh, I mean, there's Johnson & Johnson. There's a lot of these classic script um, word marks, logotypes, whatever you want to call them that are out there that have been uh, really effective and have proven to be able to be quite contemporary even if they were done you know, 50, 60, 100 years ago. Yeah. So I love those. Yeah. Johnson and Johnson. That that's a, that's a great one that comes to mind. And yeah, like Coca-Cola. Campbell's. Oh, right. I mean, Campbell's of course. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of these out there. A lot of them came from that signature idea. Kellogg's also. Kellogg's, I mean, right. Yeah. Oh, um, that K. Oof. Yeah. And, and these things have, have been able to endure uh, and to carry on. And I mean, Coca-Cola is a very prominent one and they've done a great job of modernizing that into all kinds of different interpretations, just using those curves and the colors. And so we said, yeah, maybe we can do that here. Maybe we can really create something that um, keeps the idea that everybody knows and loves about, about Instagram, but can be your own. Mm. And that was really what sparked that work and went into the, the painstaking details that you're speaking of. Mm -hmm. um, but that's all just a, a part of the service to the design, um, getting it right. Because ideally, if I do my job well, I never have to do it again. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, do it do it once, right, yeah. instead of uh, several times. So, so, and I and I do think it it stands the test of time. Uh, I mean, we're we're only six, almost six years out, yeah. but I can't see. You know, it, it just it just it works. It's Instagram. Um, yeah. I mean, I've been really impressed with the the consistency in which they've used it and the prominence that they give it. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. you know, if I mean, if you're on at least if you're on an iPhone, it's locked to the top of the phone at all times while you're in the app. That's right. You know, when you're scrolling through the feed, so they're really uh, investing a lot in establishing that in people's minds mm -hmm. over time. It's not just access through an icon and then the brand goes away. It's it's a really prominent part of the experience. Yeah. It sure is. Um, how was the process at that point? Because I assume the team at that point, well, the team was probably large if they had a hundred million. <laughs> no, the team was ti was tiny. They were like twelve was... people. Wow. They had just they had just hired their first uh, designer. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Michael Lumens, who also oh yeah, big dr dribble guy. Sure, yeah, Michael. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was their first design hire. When Kevin and I first met, they had zero designers. That's incredible. You know, I guess because it, it's the app, it was the app only at that point, right? So, yeah. I mean, you'd, I would have to look it up, but I think they had less than 15 people when they were acquired. Wow. And that acquiring of, from, of, you know, Facebook acquiring mm -hmm. Instagram happened not long after the logo was done or during. <laughs> it, or? Happened, it happened. Yeah. It happened in the middle. <laughs> oh, so I thought, wow. I thought the project was over. Um, for obvious reasons, oh, I assume yeah, it would right. just be, you know, oh, well, Facebook's going to take it over and it's going to become Facebook photos or, or who knows right. what. Of course, um, yeah. And I assumed that it would, it would be a, a missed opportunity, but somehow it, it came back around and I'm fortunate enough that they really saw the, the equity in the brand and um, carrying that forward. And so it took a little bit longer to finish, not because of more rounds of work or anything, just because of the nature of having your company acquired <laughs> in the middle of Facebook um, filing its <laughs> IPO. So, oh, that too. A, yeah, right. Jeez. Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting time. Um, yeah, I mean, it is kind of amazing how uh, 
Facebook ha- has kept the brand intact. And I've always been impressed by that, actually. Because that happened in the middle of you doing the logo, did that complicate things at all in terms of like sharing iterations or, you know, was it just sort of you're still working just with Kevin? Yeah, no, in the end, it, it didn't. It stayed exactly the same. It was just, it was really a Kevin thing. And then, um, yeah, they added some designers and that was really helpful in the end for for solidifying and finalizing everything because at that at that point you were really dealing with a lot of different densities of of screens still too there weren't you know retina screens were not the default by any means mm-hmm. and i in fact i don't i'm trying to remember if there was even a retina iphone at that point but either way <laughs> we, we <laughs> that that actually contributed a lot to the finalizing of of that logo where we did a lot of interesting things to it that you wouldn't necessarily do from a a type perspective, but that were really necessary because of the scale of it, the size that it had to be displayed at and the necessity for it to, to read as a good script still uh, without a lot of pixels. Wow. So that sort of dictated how you would manipulate the, the the script. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because as you can imagine, you want things to, um, to rasterize in a similar way yeah. and so the more repetition of of size and form and location even of like where things connect and, and things like that was really really helpful mm. um, inclusive of having everything on the baseline exactly aligned which is not appropriate for <laughs> for that word but we needed that so that it didn't look like it was bouncing wow excellent and at the time this was when you know, retina had just come out or hadn't even come out and, yeah. and you're trying to make sure this looks good on all screens and tablets and billboards probably too. Right. Do you find that since that project that has become normal or like something you've, you've had to think about for every, every uh, identity that you've done or. Yeah. it's. I mean, it's good practice yeah. just because most of the time, an identity has to go to, in places that you would never ever imagine and things do continue to get almost smaller and smaller we're getting higher density screens which is nice but in terms of the impression of something when it becomes very very small how it reads in the mind uh, you do have considerations that that should be taken into account in terms of of how something is going to still give off the same feel at every scale Uh, people know that from from icon design and and everything like that too but really also letting that play out in an identity and a logo itself has become a really important part of the process yeah i mean it really has right like you mentioned icon design it's almost as if in a lot of cases um for for brands that are really web-centric you know anyway it is yeah. kind of like designing an icon because it's going to be there's so many different small places that it could show up right yeah. mm-hmm. as opposed to before you know before apps before the web that wasn't necessarily a concern i guess <laughs> no when you when your first priority was like the storefront signage you weren't <laughs> you weren't too worried about it scaling right. down well right have someone paint the window and then that's then you're done yep a good segue into like some of your other projects too where you know i think one of the most recent ones that i'm aware of is is your logo for unsplash which mm-hmm. was pretty universally loved i feel like it, i feel like everyone kind of just just 
feels like it felt like you nailed it completely and and yet it's very simplistic in terms of shape um and that's in a good way i mean obviously it's that makes it super flexible right yeah yeah thanks i i, I mean there's always people that don't like change that's a that's a default <laughs> yes, so you true. expect that when you when you roll out a new identity but i was pleasantly surprised by how welcoming that community was because it is a really passionate community the people who use unsplash and who contribute to it um, yeah it's a, sure it's a big community but it's it's people that are really really passionate about it and so to have people excited that's always a, a great thing but to your point, that one, um, it had to work in tiny, tiny places with no color and still be extremely distinctive because since they released their API and people are you know, putting this in you know, text editors and things like that for if you're writing a, a blog post on Medium or right, uh, right. <laughs> vice versa, it, it just it needed to to maintain that in integrity and, and to read really well and stand out. Cause that was one of the biggest problems for them is that when they're on, when you're on a third party site and this, if this shows up at the bottom um, of an editor, you just assume that it was like literally take a picture, their previous one, cause it just was a camera icon. Right. It was a camera icon. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And it was like the same camera icon that you'd see in Instagram or, or things like that. And it was definitely confusing. So this allows people to know that, oh, I'm going to Unsplash to the un like to the stock photography website. It is its own thing. It's not access the photos on my computer or on my phone. Um, yeah. And I mean I'm looking at your case study on on your website, which we'll link up uh, in the show notes. And it's amazing. It's the way you've uh visually explained, you know, um how the logo is created and how well it works in different different applications and you know my, i love this animation of like the a grid of six photos and they kind mm -hmm. of pull apart into the into the logo mark it's so great and it i don't know it re, it reminds me too that like really good identity work you know ha has to be this flexible or you know the, the marks and and logos that have stand stood the test of time are usually ones that are are simple and and that uh, work in one color, for instance, or small, large, and that kind of thing. Absolutely, it's it's pretty impossible to determine where logo is going to show up. So, ideally, you're trying to future proof this um, to to make it work regardless of what happens within technology, business, production methods, etc. Um, you, you want to make something that that a three-year-old could sketch um that that's probably your <laughs> your best way forward for making sure that it it doesn't get messed up and it can can handle anything i mean that's a big thing with um with vr as well you know how how does a logo look when it's no longer flat um, <laughs> right this is something a lot of people haven't thought about Oh, I love I love thinking about that. Uh, not that I've come up with anything good, but uh, <laughs> just because my, my my son has uh, an oh, this is a great segue. This wasn't planned. <laughs> Oculus Rift. He has an Oculus Rift, and uh, which we're gonna I'm gonna ask you about in a second. But you're right, yeah. and and that kind of got me thinking. Like, man, this changes everything. I mean, logos, UI. There's just a whole new way of, of thinking about sort of a visual representation of of uh, of things. Yeah, but but 
to without going into that, just in terms of Unsplash, and you're talking about that that little video there. Like it's it's nice to have an idea that's explainable. That helps people um, embrace something for sure. It's not a requirement in a logo. There's plenty of abstract logos that aren't directly tied to a product or service, and they're they're perfectly fine. I mean, the Nike swoosh is a pretty good example of that. It's a stylized check mark, um, right? But it has it has an idea. It has movement. It's dynamic, which is appropriate to an athletic wear brand. Mm-hmm. But it's not explainable. Like, oh, that's the movement of a runner's arm or something. Right. You know, right. And it doesn't. They don't need to be if they can be simple and distinctive and appropriate. Um, they have that ability to really endure. With Unsplash, we were able to to come up with some things that also were pretty directly recognizable, and and that's helpful. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great point i mean nike there are some some things that have just become iconic because of the brand and because of the longevity right uh that's a great example the swoosh looks good on a shoe too i guess it looks it looks yeah it it functions very well and that's that's extremely important Mm, that really is yeah because yeah I, i always say that a great identity that still needs to have a really strong idea. And that's really what we're searching for. Cause hopefully anybody could replicate all of the work that I do very, very quickly, but can you come up with an idea? That's really the, the valuable um, portion of it. However, it, it only becomes really, really iconic if it gets used well. And, um, so even if the idea is not known or understood, if it's able to be used consistently um, and you know in a way that is very, very effective, like the swoosh on a shoe, it, it has great potential. So hmm. great point. Excellent point. Um, yeah, I mean, like the Unsplash logo for for instance, it's simple, but the idea and the thought behind it is so solid and uh, and that helps it work. Um, yeah. it, it's funny because some some I would, geez, I was guilty of this uh, early in my career. Like, instead of trying to think of that idea, and it's like, how can I make this visually interesting? And that was maybe wrongly the first thing I would think to do. Right? Yeah, I, I don't think that that you're um, alone. I was definitely like that too, because we want something that when we look at, we we enjoy it, we get excited by it. Uh, and it's hard to to turn that off and to really think about the effectiveness of it and does it have the ability to do all these things. That's why a lot of times with the ideas that I have now, I'll put them into, into application to actually test them where they're going to need to work quite a bit before I ever try to really firm up my um, excitement about it or my... Um, even my disbelief in it. Sometimes I think, ah, it's, it's just not, it's not quite right. But then I see how it works and how it functions. And then I start to get excited about it. So it's, it's weird how that's process has changed. Yeah. So in other words, like mocking it up in as many real world scenarios as you can, is that, is that part of the process? Yeah. That's, that's part of the process for sure. And it's, it's like to the, to what we were just talking about, even making three dimensional ones, even, Huh. Uh, dreaming, dreaming about how it can be all these things, just really testing that out, seeing how does this thing live, um, putting it on your phone, for example, and so not just looking at it on a computer screen on a fake phone, put it on your actual phone and open up your phone a few times and see if you still really like how something looks, if it 
if it catches your eye, put it where it needs to really be in the real world and, and walk by it a few times and uh, your impressions change. I love that. That's great advice, actually. Um, you know, looking again at your case study, there's near the bottom, it's like you've shown like an office wall and there's a bunch of photos, frame photos <laughs> that are grouped <laughs> in a way that, that look like the, the mark, uh, which is awesome. Thanks. Yeah, it was a that was a last minute random addition to the case study. <laughs> really? Oh, I love it. It's my <laughs> yeah, favorite one, I think, because it thanks. took it and actually then, took uh, me a minute to 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 figure it. I'm like, oh, those must be on Splash. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, I hope that's yeah. in their their headquarters somewhere. Well, they're they're talk. They're getting a new office. They're in the process of building one out, and they talked about putting in something like that. We'll see. Th things like that are always risky to show at first, though, because to your point. If you don't have a, a design eye, you might not even see it. Yeah, um, that's true. Uh, us as designers, we get really excited about these ideas and we see these things pretty naturally because we've trained ourselves to for years and years and years. But if somebody's not looking at, at designs all the time, not looking at art quite often, not having those experiences, these things can be difficult for them. So you got to walk that uh, fine line for sure. And, and sometimes though, those folks are the client, right? <laughs> most, most of the time, those folks are the client. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like laughing, crying, making thoughtful facial expressions, meeting interesting people, being met by interesting people? Then Wenoland from your friends at Weno is for you. It's the quote-unquote conference they always wanted to go to but never found until now. Part conference, part vaudeville show, part theme park, Wenoland is coming to the ADO in Brooklyn on May 2nd through 4th, 2019. And it will be fun, ambitious, slightly unexpected, potentially terrible, and or amazing. In other words, an exciting place to be. Wenoland will feature an eclectic and surprising mix of smart and funny speakers and performers with different backgrounds and experiences, designers and developers, comedians and rappers, shark photographers, and pirates. You get the idea. Go to winnow.land for more information and get 10% off your ticket using the code DRIBBLE, D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E. That's winnow.land, W-E-N-O dot land. And thanks very much to Winnow for sponsoring this episode. So I, I mentioned Oculus earlier, and, uh, which my son has, and it's awesome. But I'm, that's another another identity that I really actually really uh, was impressed by it before I even knew you did it. And um, it, it's just, it's another one that's so simple, but yet it, it's the shape of the goggles too. It's just like yeah. kind of brilliant, but I wonder if you could share a little bit of the process on, on that one. Of course. Yeah. And the, the goggle shape was actually a, a coincidence in the very end. Funny enough. Um, but no it, it definitely wow. it definitely played out well. Um, yeah, absolutely. At least for now, until the goggles are a totally different shape. But at that point, though, <laughs> that's true. That's true. When they're contact lenses, it could be. Yeah, exactly. But hopefully, by then, the mark is established enough that we don't think of it as a reference to the product. We just think of it as yeah. Oculus. Um, absolutely. Yeah, that project um, was really interesting. The process, for sure. I've never had a process like that before, because. Um, it happens to be another Facebook project, even though Facebook has never directly hired me. I've just been hired by companies who get acquired by Facebook. Um, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think anyone that wants to get acquired by Facebook should be hiring you now. 
Yeah, there we go. That's <laughs> that's a new criteria. That's right. Um, the the creative director there, he was the one who actually reached out and um, just kind of cold called me one day, and it turned out that they had been trying for quite a while to come up with a with an identity because their original identity he had made in like thirty minutes because they needed to launch on Kickstarter and they realized oh we got to have a logo. Wow! Wow! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes that works out. Um, yeah. in this case, in this case, he had made just an eye, a pretty generic, um, like eye, and they ran into some, some trademarking problems once they actually started to become successful. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of big media companies and, um, entertainment companies that have eyes, you know, CBS being a very, very prominent <laughs> right, of one, course, yeah. great logo, but yeah. they needed something that they could own um, and that they could use. And so they had, they had actually been um, working with a, a couple different agencies very unsuccessfully to, to get this done. So they decided to take a, a different approach where they um, went with individuals to, to try and solve the problem. So it was, uh, it was interesting. Never, never had something like that happen before. Um, huh. And yeah, they had gone through a lot of work and they had seen a lot of different things um, and they had some ideas themselves. You know, sometimes a client comes to you and they have an idea of, of what something should look like. And as a designer, you have a strange responsibility to both listen to them and then to also probably not give them what they're asking for because <laughs> right, right. it's likely not the right solution and you have to figure out how to solve the problem, how to create the the piece, and then how to explain to them why that's the the right, <laughs> right. solution. Convince them that their original idea was yeah, absolutely <laughs> right. And so yeah, we did we did a lot of things that were their original ideas that met that criteria, but um, but nothing quite quite sat right. And ultimately, the um, the simplicity of of the the logo that ended up being the the logo, the final logo really was striking for people. And it was just awkward enough. I remember when I came up with it, we had um, just a Skype group with, with the creative director and the other designers in it. And I, I asked everybody, I was like, is this already been done? This seems, it's so simple, but it's, <laughs> right. but it's right, kind of right. weird, you know, it's like yeah. it kind of makes me uncomfortable when I look at it. And, and a lot of times that's a, that's a good a good thing for a logo. It just feels a little bit off, but that's what makes it stick. Um, yeah. It makes it unique. Uh, yeah. You know, iconic. Yeah. Yeah. And so ultimately we were able to, to say, yeah, let's run with this, but we had the giant, um, the, the looming question of trademark, especially with something so simple. And since that was the reason for this project. So he, I think it took a little over like three months to do all the, the legal work around that, to know if we could actually get it. And that was before they ever even showed it to the executives. Uh, Cause they didn't, obviously you don't want to show people something that they can't have. So if they do love it, um, right. And then you're not oh, stuck. it's already been trademarked. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. would be a bummer. <laughs> Big bummer. So yeah. it was kind of like a, I don't know. It, it was a, a strange few months of just waiting, hoping, um, being excited, but also you have those little moments of self doubt too. Like, ah, oh, okay, probably, probably is not going to work out. Um, <laughs> but sure enough, that one was was able to go through, and and then yeah, it it played out in a lot of really exciting ways. And they have a really amazing um, 
product design team there. And when I, I mean like the physical product, um, yeah. And they, they were able to work with it in cool ways. They made on the first rift. I don't know which one your son has, but the power switch is the shape of the logo actually. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's um, so cool. You know, there's these little things that you can do with something like that to, to integrate it in unique ways. And then it allows for a good set of sub brands, which they really need because they have their own, store and they'll have all these other products um and obviously they're doing more than just the headsets and all of that still needs to tie under that brand so the symbol gives them a tool to tie everything together with um, yeah yeah it's perfect i mean it really <laughs> is i i, well, that's, that's I just love it and, no it, it's, it's it's super awesome you know because again my, my son he had to get a pc because you know, obviously there's max over here mostly yep. but uh, <laughs> but he, he got a um oculus ready pc and this is i the brand is not oculus it's some yeah. pc brand but the the logo is on is like built into the machine somehow mm -hmm. i can't i can't remember if it's the power power switch or what it is but it's 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 you know machined into the <laughs> into the um case that, and oh and the computer that's cool yeah yeah to, to sort of signify that this is an oculus ready pc and yeah. i I just, I loved that, uh, shopping around for them, seeing that and like, Oh, that makes sense. That sort of ties them together. And mm -hmm. it, it lets you know that this, you can, it works with Oculus and it's so simple. Um, it must be a trip to, to like see your, your work manifested in so many different ways, <laughs> like physical ways. It is for sure. Um, it's definitely a trip. And since I live in New York city, you get to see it a lot. Um, which is cool. Just all, all, all of it. It's always like, um, it's probably some of the, the most surreal moments are, you know, I ride the subway and I'll be like on the subway and there will be, you know, like three logos I did present at the exact same time around me. <laughs> That's so crazy. You know, you like look over and there's six people sitting on Instagram and then there's an ad for another company that you did something for and then somebody's wearing something and it's like this is kind of it, like none of them know but um right right they if only they knew that yeah like you, you're the one that created all you know to get into like what you're doing now too i mean these these logos that we've been talking about were created correct me if i'm wrong but created um yonder your own studio mm -hmm. um and, and now you're uh, a principal at an agency, a, a rather prestigious agency. <laughs> I'm going to botch the name, but it's Chermayef and Geismar and Haviv. Yeah. Well, I actually have some, this will be a good uh, segue moment for you. Um, yeah. I'm no longer there. Oh, well, okay. We yeah. Can edit interesting. This. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um, it's, it's a good talking point. Yeah, I did. I moved to New, I moved to New York to, to be a principal at Chermayef Geis Marhaviv, the hardest company name to say. Yes. So use uh, CGH. That's very... Ooh, that would be nice, actually. Yeah. Easy, easy one to say. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I moved there because it really was a, as cliche as it sounds, but a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, I to get to work with well Ivan and Tom so Ivan Chermayev and Tom Geismar they founded the studio in 1957 and they were partners until Ivan passed away uh, a little over a year ago recently right right okay yeah and, and they're cre created uh, just so people know I mean if, if you if you're not familiar with their work 
Oh, actually, you are. <laughs> yeah. uh, because, you know, it's they've created some of them the most iconic. I mean, some of them my favorite logos, actually. My God, uh, yeah. NBC and PBS and National Geographic, Showtime, Mobile. Like, there's just... So anyway, I just wanted to add that because you're yeah. right. Like, I'm sure going there and moving to New York, that was probably an amazing experience. Absolutely. And it was... It was really uh, an affirming process, which was exciting. I, when you're doing this as your own studio and growing it kind of from nothing, and I had no previous agency experience, I never had an internship or anything like that, um, to get to go into a place that has been doing it longer than anybody, well, at least with people that have been doing it longer than anybody, and, and see a lot of similarities in our practice, um, that was very, very encouraging. But also the things that I was able to to learn from that time uh, to to get to experience, you know, while Ivan was still was still with us, and then uh, to continually get from from Tom and and even with Sagi as the much younger partner, but still extremely seasoned in in corporate identity work, uh, I, I learned an, an immense amount. Oh, I'll yeah. bet! Oh, wow! I, I can't imagine. And and so you're what's what's next for you then if you're yeah that's a good that's a good question um, <laughs> yeah so I like I said Ivan passed away a little a little over a year ago um, and that was a tough time for everybody for obvious reasons I mean especially for for Tom being a partner with him for sixty years I don't know many people I actually I don't know anybody even that's been married for sixty years yeah that's um, incredible that's amazing and. So that was a, a great honor. And it, it just became kind of apparent that it was going to be time for me to to go back to working with some of the clients that I really enjoy working with. Um, while I, uh, I greatly appreciated the time there and it was a it was genuinely um, a once in a lifetime experience for me to get to work with them on a lot of, of these big corporate clients. Uh, I still have an urge and an excitement to, to work with people who are really pushing boundaries, who are really doing things that, uh, that aren't familiar yet, you know, like, like working with brands like Instagram or Oculus in their, their early, early stages. I, I want to be a part of the companies who are reshaping the world. Um, and being at a, at a larger agency like that, you don't, you don't quite have those opportunities. And, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to to re-engage re in some of those types of relationships. Also, even in the last five, definitely, I mean, maybe 10 years, companies have really started to change. Um, it used to be that no, no big company would have uh, a design team at all. They would hire an agency for their advertising. They'd hire a design agency. But now you see a lot of companies having huge design teams and not just having design teams. They even have brand teams. Uh, if you look at, at most of the, especially in tech, the companies that we know and respect, they have huge design teams and they're not necessarily looking for uh, a big agency to just send work off to and, and wait for it to come back. They want more of a design partner. They want people that they can collaborate directly with. They want to know who they're working with. And I want to be able to offer that uh, back to these these companies that really are you know changing the world yeah that makes good sense you're absolutely right i mean design has elevated right within the corporate structure yeah <laughs> immensely time. over the last 10 years or 
Right. Um, and and so there's a lot of people that I know that are are moving to all kinds of different companies and doing great things. And uh, hopefully, when that time comes to to evaluate the identity, uh, we get a we get a chance to work together. Yeah, that's awesome. So so you're you are going to be continue to to do uh, identity work under your under your own name then. Yeah, and I, I've got a, an office, building out a new office in uh, in Brooklyn right now, and I've got a few designers, and oh, I keep the team. Yeah, I'll keep the team small because one of the the most important things to me is still doing the work personally. I don't want to grow to a size where um, people don't know who they're who they're getting when they mm. when they engage in a project. I, I want to be very directly involved with all of that, so that forces me to to really limit the quantity of people I can work with and. Um, and not grow too big as a company, but, but I think that there's great value in that. Um, oh yeah, I agree. Oh, totally. Um, so it's personal. I mean, the work you're doing is very personal. I feel like <laughs> it is. It's personal on both sides. It's extremely personal for the company. It's their face to the world. And, uh, it's personal <laughs> and it's personal for me, uh, because I, I, I mean, I give, I'm sure I give logos far more credit than 99.9% of the world, but I do think that they're kind of the loophole within design because almost everything else in design gets recycled very quickly. Um, it has a very short shelf life, but if you make a great identity, uh, it can endure. It can, it can go on far longer than you. Um, and that's a, a definitely a rarity within design. It's funny. I was just reflecting on sort of some design work that I've done over 20 years or whatever, mostly, you know, interface work and, and how it's just all gone. <laughs> it's just, it's not around. So I, I, that, that hits home for me in terms of while that's all gone. Yeah. If, if the identity is strong and used, used well, it, it does live on. Yeah, that's that's the idea. And yeah. I mean, you have gone and started an incredible company and that can live on. So there's another way in which you're you're having that impact. I think we're all looking for for ways to have very positive impacts through design. And my contribution to that is hopefully creating identities that have the ability to endure and that position um, these companies who really are doing world changing work uh, to lead in the future. Well, you have my goodness i love it i love it all mackie how did you so you're in new york right now but yeah. how did you get started and how did you get into design i hear there's skateboarding might be involved <laughs> skateboarding is <laughs> definitely involved um, yeah yeah i i went to school for art so i have a fine art degree of bfa i don't have a design background from an education perspective i took one course that was like you know the basics of photoshop like make a poster or something um Right, like a right. collage poster, just something you had to do in terms of, of getting a degree, but I had no actual graphic design education. Um, and yeah, when I was traveling uh, for skateboarding after school, after college, that was when I really started to to find that um, that mixture of, or I guess that connection or that, I don't know, the crossover between art and design. Because with, with skateboards, they at least they used to, they still do have very good graphics, but the graphic that was on the bottom of the skateboard uh, used to be such an iconic yes. thing for, for a skateboard. Totally. You know, you would have your pro model and it would last for many years even. Yeah. Uh, and I started to see, Oh, well I can, 
make art. I can do this stuff that I know how to do. And as long as I can just figure out how to get it into a digital format, I can get it to the printer and we can put these things on skateboards. So that was, was the kind of the beginning of that, you know, skateboards and t-shirt designs. Um, and then realized, Hey, you can, you can sort of make a living if you start learning how to design websites. So maybe you should consider doing that. So I actually did a little bit of, of web design just to, to get started and to, yeah, to support, um, myself and pretty quickly realized that I, I wasn't cut out for, for that work. I wasn't passionate about that work and it wasn't too long into, to getting started that I really decided to focus in on, on doing identity design and picking a niche and going deep into that. It's funny. Cause I was into skateboarding and like for a few years when I was younger and Mm-hmm. I was just, I was too scared, I think, <laughs> to actually <laughs> be good at it. But You got to um, have a little bit of uh, just, <laughs> I don't know what like you call it. Recklessness, right? Yeah, recklessness. You just have to, you have to not care. It's true. It, it really is. And I, 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 but I just loved the whole culture of it. And like you said, the graphics, uh, you know, on the boards, it, just like the brands that surrounded um, skateboarding, I was just... Mm-hmm there was a lot of great design around that. And, um, so I can see how that, you know, that was, that that could be a really good launching point for, you know, just wanting to create stuff yourself. Yeah. And I often make the parallel between skateboarding and design just because they're both things that require a lot of creativity and force you to, to look at the world differently. You know, this, if you skateboarded, once you start skating, you start to see, things differently you no longer see stairs just as a way to get you up and down something you see it as something you can jump off of you can do a trick off of you, know, you don't <laughs> yeah. just see a, a bench as something to sit on you see it as something you can grind and you get excited about that so it changes the way you look at the world but so does design as soon as you get into design you know you're plagued all of a sudden you see bad kerning everywhere and you you can't help but you know you get into a car and you're like this is the worst ui that's ever existed how is this in such an expensive piece of machinery <laughs> yeah totally you know but but you you then see the world differently and just like in skateboarding you have to to pick your path of how you want to interpret that and how you want to interact with the world i think the same thing uh, goes in design. You interpret the world in a different way. You see it in a different way that is unique only to you based on your life's experiences. And then you solve those problems creatively um, through your design. It's true. Uh, we yeah. do look at the world differently. And 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 I think skateboarding and, and there are probably other hobbies as well. Like the, anything that forces you to look at the world differently is going to help, you know, help you be creative. Yeah. Just, just, if you can, if you can evaluate things in a unique way, and then if you do have that drive to, to, to want to change it or to want to at least put your mark on it, um, it's going to impact you well in design. And I guess the other thing that skateboarding really teaches you that again, anything that's a, that's a great challenge teaches you is that, you, you know, this, when you try to start skateboarding, all you do is fail forever like you just fall and fall and fall and fall and fall so you very quickly get rid of that idea of oh i'm just going to try this once and i'm going to to to, like i'm going to land this trick so you go into design and you don't expect by any means to get it right within the first you know not just the first try but the first hundred tries and so the idea of iterating and of pushing and that something may uh push you to your (laughs) 
like the brink mentally that's that's something you're ready for and you're prepared for that and you know how to get through that and you realize that there still is um there's going to be an an exciting end to this at some point you make me want to get back on a board i think you should Keep falling. let's do it <laughs> let's do it do you still ride yeah as much as i can that's awesome uh mackie thank you so much for being here uh <laughs> thank you yeah, it was it was awesome to to you know get a little bit of behind the scenes on you you know the amazing work you're doing and and um where so people can find you MackieSaturday dot com. Yep, that's simple yeah. enough. At at Saturday on Instagram, at Saturday Ooh. on Twitter. Wow, um, that, that's amazing. You you have those. <laughs> Yeah, they're good, good handles. They make for really, really amusing weekends too. And if I just, you know, if I'm bored, I can always just open up my notifications on either one and see who doesn't <laughs> know how to use the social network. Oh, oh no, right? Oh, geez, does that I, that kind of ruins your mentions? Uh, no, those, go ahead. Right? I'm not worried about that. It's pretty. It's more funny. I I considered yeah. making um, a blog at at one point called like Wrong Saturday and just post everybody's. <laughs> at saturday mentions they're mostly just bad (laughs) selfies um so you can see a lot that's that's the norm yeah that's a pretty pretty constant one probably like (laughs) nine out of ten is a bad selfie and then the rest are (laughs) random whatever well everyone should give you uh legitimate mentions and uh (laughs) and uh yeah we we thank you for being here keep rocking uh can't wait to see what you create next man yeah thanks so much dan i really appreciate you having me This has been Overtime, Dribble's official podcast. Thanks so much for listening. If you do have feedback for us, we'd love to hear it. Shoot me an email, dan at dribble.com, with any uh, feedback or suggestions for how to make the show better. And also, please rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate that, too. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next time.